Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Good morning, City Collective Church. Happy birthday, City Collective. If you didn't know, we're technically this is the third Sunday of the month that we launched three years ago as a church, and it's been an incredible journey. We're really looking forward to being together. Obviously, we wanted to have something happening this Sunday. We wanted to be together for a little church in the park, but obviously the weather did not cooperate with us, and so we're uh, we're, we're a little bummed out by that, let's be honest, but we are still grateful to be able to gather here online. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in with us, my name is Jason. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And wherever you might find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, we believe that your journey matters, that your story matters, and that the journey that we're on together as a church can be a safe place for you and co- to come and ask questions and be part of of discovering what life in Jesus could really look like. And we're, we're looking forward to all that this next season holds for us. Uh, we are just about to release a little update video, but I wanted to make sure that you heard from here on the Sunday morning that we are together next Sunday in person. HD Stafford Middle School, 10.30 a.m. We cannot wait to be back together. Our teams are ready. My heart is ready. I hope your heart is ready. We cannot wait as a staff to get things together, to get things rolling on a consistent basis for us to start to lean into the story that God is already writing and leading us into for this next season as a church. Uh, It's going to be a great Sunday. And then make plans, please, to stick around after service. We are going to be having the chai wagon, a food truck with us after service. Lunch is going to be on us, and we would love for you to stick around enjoy some delicious food as we take time to be together as a church man I cannot wait it's gonna be awesome and so we are going to be doing that next Sunday but one of the things that we have started already is these journals I, I'll mention in the update video as well to give you a little more detail but our team has been dropping these off and today we're gonna find ourselves on page 12 of this journal it's a space for you to reflect a space for you to write down thoughts and ideas, and, and you'll be able to build them up throughout the year and reflect upon them. We don't want the ideas and, and the rumblings of Sunday that happen within us to just stay at church or in a space or in our mind when we only go to church on a Sunday. We want it to be something that reflects within us throughout the week, that begins to stir something new within the inside of us. And this is just one of the ways we believe we can have that take place in our journey of spiritual formation. So we would highly invite you to grab that this morning. We're on page 12, like I said, and we're going to be looking at it together. Now, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 10 to 16 is where I'm going to be reading out of this morning as we continue our series called Around the Table. Last week, we talked about our story and how we came to this place as a church. We talked about specifically why the table is a significant piece for us beyond what I believe is the theological and spiritual nature of of a table, the, the beauty of conversation and shared food and shared relationship that you can find around a table. For us in particular, our story, when we moved out here, we didn't know anyone. And then one of the things that we decided to do was just buy a table and start 
inviting people to come and share some food around. And around that table, we had conversations of formation, conversations of meaning. We had joyful moments together. We had hard moments together. And the foundations of our church community really came to be. And so we believe that there is something significant that takes place around the table. So even here online, I would like to invite you to our table. Let's let's gather around. We heard the story of where we're going, where we're from, and what our story was. But this week, I would love to present to you what I believe is the vision for us this next year as a church community here at City Collective. So would you read with me? We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 10 to 16 this morning. And it says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word. Thank you for the vision that you've placed on my heart for us in this next season as a church family. I just pray that you would give us hearts to receive, open our eyes, open our spirits to receive what you can do in the midst of our homes, that your presence would go into each and every space of every person that's listening, every person that's watching this morning. I just pray that your heart would just be so real to them, be so evident to them, and that we get a clear vision of where we're going and what we're doing and how we can move forward together in this next season as a church. Thank you for vision that is in your heart that is meant for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Now, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about vision this morning, but I often ask myself the question when I am formulating ideas for the future because I would like to say and I would like to think that I like to dream for the future. I think my wife would highly agree that of the two of us, I am the dreamer of the relationship. I I like to dream of the possibility of something even when I don't know all the practicalities that might be perfectly set forward. That I I like to dream of the possibility of of family, of of achievement for us as a church, for for relationships and, and for friendships. I'm a dreamer in all those different ways, and I like to think forward into the possibility of the future ahead. And what I have found for myself is that often the dreams that I have can be born out of the experiences that I have been confronted with. There, there, there is a seed that's been placed in there, and sometimes it is of a good thing. And sometimes it's a good thing that maybe leads to a slightly unhealthy thing. Let me give you an example. Uh, my very first year playing basketball, 
growing up. I, I remember it so vividly. This was the first time I had really done any group sports, and, and it, was a, it was a big deal for me to be able to try this with a bunch of buddies. <coughs> I wasn't particularly proficient, but we were all pretty young. I think I was 10 years old at the time. And I remember this group of kids. There was a lot of kids that were better than me. There was a lot of kids that had played before, and this was a good team. They even had like a coach that knew what he was talking about. And I remember first year, we started to win games, and we won a lot of games that season. And I felt like I was getting better, and I started getting more playing time. And I remember it taking us all the way to the championship game for our age group. And it was a big deal. I remember we were hyped up. And at this point of the season, I was in the starting five. I was playing lots. I was feeling good about my game. And I was feeling like, man, this is the way basketball is. That we just win all the time. Like we're just really good and we're going to win all the time. And I remember we got to the end of that game. I had a jumper that was just cash from the corner. It was so good. I felt so good running down the court. Teams going nuts. And then the, then the game finished. We had won by three points that game. And I remember that buzzer going and the celebration and the excitement and so much craziness as everyone's jumping on each other. This was my first experience of basketball and it had set the precedent in my mind that I was always going to, ex to find and experience incredible success when it comes to basketball and sports in general. Let's just be honest here, that has not always been the case. And, and, and in reality, I've had to come to th maybe the, the uh, brutal bit of honesty with myself that I've been probably not as physically inclined to basketball as I would say to be soccer. But yet, the victory, the little bit of success, the fact that it was maybe a, uh, the in thing with my friend group, man, I chose that as my sport. And that kind of set expectation for what I wanted for everything in that area of life moving forward. And I remember thinking, what's next? And, and asking the question, what's next, is a really interesting one. Because I think that there is a secular understanding of what's next, next, and there is a biblical understanding of what's next. I think the association of what's next in our secular understanding, in our worldly understanding, is the idea simply of more. So for me, in uh, winning uh, the championship in the first year, it's asking what's next. Well, it's, it's to win more. It's to be more successful. It's to find more, more opportunity to be successful. And it was all about achievement, achievement, achievement. And you can apply that idea more to almost any area of what is next. If it's the, the next job, well, it might be more pay. If it's, if it's the next phase in your family, it might, well, it might be more kids. If it's the next phase in, in, your, in your church life, maybe you're looking for more responsibility. If it's the next vacation, well, you want it to be more grand. Everything is more, more, more. But I would contend that the biblical understanding of what's next, like many things that are in the kingdom of God, seems to run in an upside-down nature to what the world would understand. Because if I was to look at what the Bible says about what's next, it would have less to do with what is more uh, about having something more come into place and have more to do about the process that we are stepping into. 
Because next has to do with more with following than gathering in the kingdom of God. It's all about accumulation and achievement when we think about what's next in, in a more secular understanding. But it has more to do with process and following for what's next in the kingdom of God. There is story after story in the Bible that we see how God is at work in the lives of his people as he leads them to what's next through the process that they're walking through. And perhaps it can be more, but the more isn't what the next is about. And I'm curious for us as a church, because I am guilty of asking the question, what's next? And then thinking about more. Well, I would love more of this, more, more of these things, and more of this item, or I want more of more finances, more people, more opportunities. And the, there is nothing wrong inherently with discovering the goodness of God and the provision and blessing that God gives. But when that is the ultimate goal, we are missing the purpose of next. We're missing the purpose of the vision that God places upon our hearts. If you look within your journals, you'll see the passage of scripture that we have chosen for this series around the table. That is meant for us to look towards the builder doing the building rather than our works and our strength. Because if it is about us accumulating more and our achievements, then we have made the decision that ultimately I am in control of all things. I am the highest authority, and that even trickles into our church community. But the call that we are being invited into City Collective is would we become more than simply always in pursuit of more? Would we, would we shift our perspective to not simply look at what's next to be something more, but look at what's next to understand and embrace and pursue the process to be what Jesus calls us to be, to follow him and to become his disciples? Th this is a question that we're, we're presented with. In, in February, March of this past year, uh, there was a, a moment for me where I had to have a deep bit of reflection because I was feeling pretty close to a sense of burnout. And it was the first time that I'd even had a, an inkling of it. And so I, I talked about it with some mentors and I talked about it with my wife and we decided that w we just needed to take a, a, a weekend and, and just unwind a little and, and just relax a little. And so we did just that. And I would love to tell you that my moment of revelation for this upcoming year came on a mountaintop, ser serene and quiet all around. No, in fact, it came in a hot tub because I love a good hot tub. And so we were enjoying a little bit of rest and relaxation. And it was the first time in a while where I felt like I was able to actually just pause my thoughts and, and, and pause my doing and pause my, my desire for more and just actually ask God, what do you have in our, in, in our next season as a church? 
What is the vision that you would love for us to, to grab hold of and, and move towards as a church? And I, I felt so deeply impressed upon my heart this idea that we're talking about this morning uh, to follow, to, uh, to embrace the process, to become disciples. And what was the, the phrase that I c- was starting to, to ruminate on, to think upon, was this one called a discipleship-driven community. And I want you to say that at home, discipleship-driven community. When Jesus invites his disciples to follow him, it wasn't just to stand behind and, and watch a man who could strut. It was to follow him in the very being of Jesus, to follow him in all the doing of Jesus and to follow him in in the pursuit of life with Jesus. This was a follow meant to lead to the formation of disciples. And it was the invitation that was given by Jesus at the end of his life as well to go and make disciples of all nations and to make disciples. I need to be discipled and to be discipled. I need to be making disciples that is It is a beautiful synergy between the two. And this is the invitation that Jesus gives his people. And I wholeheartedly believe that this is the invitation we're invited to as a church to become a discipleship driven community. Now, what does that really mean? It might just sound flowery and a a nice idea, but I want to I want to present some ideas to you this morning of what this can practically look like for us as a church and how you can embrace that. Because we read out of Ephesians four this morning about the idea of being tossed to and fro in the midst of the realities of life and how that just is is deeply troubling often in our spiritual formation, and it makes it so difficult, but the invitation is actually for us to mature into Christ. And not just for our own edification or our own growth, but to mature, to become like Jesus, and to play the role and to be the person that God has made us to be and to serve his church and to be part of the body of Christ that God is building here in our world. We all have a role to play. We all have a part in the body that is needed and that is necessary. Maybe you've forgotten this in this past season. You felt detached and separated from your from your church family and you've thought to yourself, well, they don't really need me. Hear me wholeheartedly. We need you at City Collective. We need your gifts. We need your talents. We need you. We need all that makes you you. The, the laughter and the joy that you bring, the smile that you bring, the thoughtfulness that you bring, the, the, the ability for you to present yourself so wholeheartedly and authentically. We need you, not simply because we want to have people in church, but because we believe we have a mission and a purpose to pursue as a people of God together as his church. We need you. And there's an invitation being given. To be a discipleship-driven community. It is the emblem of of an enduring transformation, and it is a transformation of lives beyond recognition. Jesus, in the context of discipleship, is, is not just wanting some of your life. Hear me. I'm not just saying that to now start to reincorporate Jesus onto your Sunday mornings. Jesus wants all of your life because he's got a better life for you. He's got a, a, the more, a more authentic, a more real, a more honest life than you can ever imagine for yourself. And so when he gives the invitation in Matthew, 
to lose your life in order to find it. It is Jesus saying that we must learn to let go of all the ways we wish to control our narrative and learn to listen, learn to follow, and learn to be in the midst of a discipleship-driven community. The progression of becoming a disciple of Jesus is, is simple. It's number one, to be like Jesus. It's number two, is to become like Jesus. And number three is to do like Jesus, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. It's a powerful progression. And in many ways, we are just relearning all over again what it means to be with Jesus. And so out of this idea of discipleship-driven community, I wanted to, to think through what are the practical ways and what that can look like. And so see, here are some of the values I believe that we are presented to consider as followers of Jesus and, and, and to consider as individuals as part of this community here at City Collective. Number one, when we ask the question in a progression of what does it mean to be with Jesus, this is our spiritual practices. These are the ways that we're engaging in an ongoing basis to develop a relationship with Jesus that is meaningful beyond a Sunday morning. Number one was spiritual practices. Number two was intellectual honesty. Next Sunday, the very first Sunday we're back, we're going to be starting a series called Deconstruction because we believe intellectual honesty matters. We believe that asking real hard questions and de dealing with the real critical thinking that's required for a healthy, honest faith is part of our, our ethos as a, as a church family. And so intellectual honesty and having spaces like community groups and having things like midweek classes, which will be starting up in October, where we're going to be looking at a biblical arc. The, all these things are going to be part of the ways that we'll be discipleship driven and out of the realities of, of our spiritual practices and our engaging with in intellectual honesty and, and learning how to be Holy Spirit dependent. That was number three within there. And then number four with learning out of all those things, we become radically generous. And this radical generosity begins to form us from the inside out and it begins to lead us to, the, to not just be with Jesus and not just become like Jesus but to do what Jesus did and then when we're when we are radically generous that's when we become what is in the final one that is passionate ecclesia passionate people who are a part of the church family passionate about the church that God is building in and through you and I this is what we get to do these five things, spiritual practices, intellectual honesty, uh, Holy Spirit dependence, radical generosity, and passionate ecclesia, passionate church family. I, I, I want to be in this together because I believe when we begin to capture these things as part of our, our essence as a church, we become discipleship driven. And that might be what it ends up looking like. But the reality is it is going to require us to adopt a posture of self-denial. To be discipleship-driven might look nice on the outside, and, and I, I truly believe it's something that can be transformational. But it, it asks us the question, are you willing to deny yourself? To do as Jesus invites us to do. To, t to take up our cross and follow him. To deny ourselves, To take up our cross and follow him. 
this seems to run counter to all that we think and do as a culture. To live this way means we need to be transformed from the inside out. It is, it is this deep, authentic, radical change of character, and it is possible through a re- relationship with Jesus. Matthew 16, 24, 25 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Robert Roberts has this quote. He says, we have been led to believe that the self is sacrosanct, meaning that God used to be sacred, but now the self is. Just as in an earlier time, it was thought never fit, fitting to deny God, now it never seems right to deny oneself. Isn't this true of our culture? And maybe it's true even in the simple way that you felt when I said that we need to learn how to deny ourselves. The slogans that abound, be true to yourself, follow your heart, just do it. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Common bits of language that are more than just phrases, but the manners in which we think that run in opposition to the invitation of the kingdom of God that says, come follow me. What would happen within our, our lives, in our communities, if this began to actually take shape within us at this current place and time to take up your cross is almost like a cultural heresy but in this cultural chaos we hear jesus's call and for a lot of us it might just sound like gibberish so what is what is jesus actually saying to deny yourself and to take up your cross well i'm not even just saying yourself in the sense of the ways that we deny ourselves that uh, i will stop eating unhealthy food or I will deny myself an extra hour of sleep and I'll go to the gym or I will deny myself uh, some extra free time and I'll focus on my education for 10 years so that I will get something on the other side like the corner office in the uh, sky rise and it's the dream job I've always wanted. Denial of self for the elevation of self is the manipulation for the world's intent. Denial of self for the elevation of self is the way of the world. Denial of self with no intention of elevating oneself, but in in fact for the sacrifice of others is the way of Jesus. Did you understand me? Denial of self for the elevation of self is the way of the world. But denial of self for the elevation of others is the way of Jesus. And this is where it's hard. Because it can seem impractical and unreasonable. But yet that is what Jesus calls us to. And so I hope that you got excited when I said discipleship-driven community. I started talking about things like spiritual practices and intellectual honesty. But understand what it is really asking of you. The denial of oneself for the elevation of others. For the betterment of others. to sacrifice, as Jesus has shown us what sacrifice really is, to love, as Jesus has shown us what love really is. Can we actively posture our lives, our decisions, our planning, our actions towards 
a bend of love rather than self-gratification. Because when we do so, then it begins to look like this. We begin to say, I'm going to become radically generous in my everyday life. I'm going to serve wholeheartedly in my church family. I recognize my love to be lacking, so I need the Holy Spirit. I can't love others well until I get a revelation of God's love for me. I need to get into those spiritual practices with him. And I don't want to simply love blindly, but I want to love with all the abilities, including the intellectual that God has given me. So I'm going to have intellectual honesty in my engagement with the Bible and engagement with my faith. This is the reality that we're invited into, but it starts in this place where we hear the call of Jesus in Matthew 16. Would you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me? And this is the hard question. In a time where we are scrambling for control in so many ways, where we're feeling at the end of ourselves, it almost feels like an unfair ask. I'm not saying to completely have your life fall apart all around you but I am inviting you to no longer place your strength, your will, and your authority as the highest priority and the central piece of your life, but rather to replace that with who we know Jesus to be and to begin to lean in and discover what happens to your life when Jesus is truly at the center. And how that will change us from the inside out. There's a great sermon by C.S. Lewis called The Weight of Glory. And, and he says within it that it's not the desire, it's not that our desires are too much for God, but in fact they're actually too little. You fool around with drink and sex when what is actually on the table is infinite satisfaction. I think the greatest hesitation in our process of self-denial is our belief that our desires are actually better than what God has in store for us. Because we've had a moment in our life, a, a basketball moment, where we've experienced success, achievement, and it's felt good. And we began to ask the question, okay, what's next? I want more. And we began to follow the secular pursuit of more for the gratification of self. And we have fallen prone to the, to the cultural normalcy of hedonism where it's just the elevation of pleasure as the highest thing in our life when, in, when we look at the Bible and it's inviting us to more along the lines of altruism, of, of sacrificial generosity. That doesn't feel like next. That doesn't feel like more. Not in the way that the what the world says. But here's what I, I noticed in the story. Yes, I, I had some unhealthy expectations that came out of that moment. But as I, as I grew and as I began to experience failure and I began to ask myself hard questions and, and look back at the way in which I had formulated expectations out of that moment, another piece was brought to the forefront of my mind. As the game finished, and the team was celebrating, and there was so much joy joyful expression in that moment, 
I looked over to the sideline and and my dad was there and he was he was watching the game and he he had stood up in that moment if you've ever met my dad my dad is as joyful as you'll you'll find and he stood there and he had his arms open and I went over and I gave my dad a big hug and I I remember that it was almost like it was just the two of us in that moment upon it this is the realization that I had regardless of what had taken place in that game, regardless of the victory that I had found, that hug and joy was still waiting for me. And it was a beautiful reminder to me of the Father that is always waiting for us. That in the midst of a discipleship-driven community, it might be what it looks like. And in the midst of a discipleship-driven community, self-denial is what it will take. But in the midst of a discipleship-driven community, unconditional love is what will be found. Because the promise of the world is I will celebrate you when you achieve success, when you find it admiration when you do something according to the way that we believe is is right but the promise of the kingdom of God the promise of Jesus is that as you follow me and failure is found and difficulties come and life is what life is you will constantly be confronted by my unconditional love that your success will never change the love I have for you. So this year, this is what we're going to discover. What it looks like to be truly engaged in all those different ways. To look like a discipleship-driven community. To lean in into a way of the denial of self. And to discover together what unconditional love really looks like as it transforms us from the inside out. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning. For the language of discipleship-driven community that you've placed upon my heart, I just pray that it is not just an, uh, an idea or a thought, but if it's something that begins to take root within us, of something that we're moving towards as a church, something that we believe is, is reflective of you, it is in your nature, it is in your invitation that you give to your disciples to to come follow you. And I just pray right now that you would begin to do a work of self-denial within, within each and every one of us. For all the things that we hold on to tightly, I pray that you give us the courage and the boldness to begin to let go. For all the things that we, we look towards as, as the ultimate desires and we don't trust that your desires and your plans and your thoughts are better than ours, I just pray right now that you would give us the courage to let go. Begin to lean in. And to deny ourselves those things that need to be let go of and, and begin to discover afresh the truth of your love and how we can shape us from the inside out. I pray that you give us the, the drive to lean into spiritual practices, the courage to ask honest questions in our intellectual honesty, the humility to, to be Holy Spirit dependent. 
the, the awareness to be radically generous and the joy to be a passionate people for your church. In all these things, may we discover you afresh today. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As we wrap up our service this morning with a song, let me leave you with a benediction. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you discover Christ's unconditional love for you in every space this week. Love God, love people, be the church. We love you, City Collective. Have a great week. Mark it on your calendars, September 26, 10.30 a.m., H.T. Stafford Middle School. Invite a friend. Stick around for lunch. We'll see you there. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.